0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Jaguar, the art of performance. To learn more about the all-new Jaguar XE, visit JaguarUSA.com. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk, now. Hello, and welcome to a new edition of The Watch. My name is Andy Greenwald. I have no official title at TheRinger.com. And joining me on the other line, he's patently much better at this than I am,
1: it's Chris Rose! calling in from a landline from the year 1997. My parents might let me get my own number. Who, who knows?
0: Yo, I kind of liked last week's special edition when you called in from the Upside Down.
1: Yeah, Twitter loved it. They <laughs> were like, great sound.
0: Listen, what we need to explain to people is last week, you were, yes, you were in New York, but it wasn't a phone issue. It's that you had a demonic, ultra-dimensional lizard crawling out of your throat. Barb yeah, style. Barb style <laughs> while we were recording.
1: What about Barb Doe?
0: Yo! What's
1: going on, man? How you doing? I'm still out here in New York City, but we're going to talk about Quarry today, the new show on Cinemax, and we're also going to do a little uh, fall TV preview.
0: And maybe tease that we're going to have some fun Emmy stuff coming up later in the week. But
1: Chris... We can tease all you want.
0: Chris, I, I just want to do a little check-in here. I think with your absence, your extended absence, I've pretty much solidified my hold on the power chair here in the studio, and I think I've won I've Tate over. I offered him a pop chip today, so I think he's pretty much in my back oh. pocket now. But I do have one other, one other creeping concern, and you can just, just talk me down off the ledge. Remember when there were four years when I lived in New York and you were out here and you were like, come out to the coast, the weather's great, you know? We'll have a few laughs, right? Come out to the coast,
1: we'll get together, have a few laughs.
0: So you, you remember that, right? And then as soon as I yeah. got here, you immediately went to New York. Now, I'm not saying something's up, but my wife is now in New York also again. And... <laughs>
1: Yes, the prank, classic Chris prank. <laughs> that's, that's
0: kind of what I'm getting at. Is this a classic Chris prank, which is to dismantle and destroy my life? And the yeah, prank—he's
1: just actually going to walk up to you and burst a bag of pop chips on your head and be like, "You got Chris." <laughs> what if?
0: What if this was a 20-year-long con that you began in the Rosemont borders in the summer of 1996, and you're like, "This sap."
1: Yeah, I really saddled you with, like, life in Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's fair. You know, it was a little cloudy this morning. Do you want a
1: little bit of a New York update?
0: I mean, I think everyone here does, except people who currently live in New York.
1: Uh, I went to a wedding this weekend for a former Grantland staffer and our good buddy, Andrew Sharp. So congratulations to Andrew and Alice. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But we were out there in the—
0: Can you give me, in Andrew Sharp fashion, can you give me the hottest take on his wedding? That's a great question. I'm just. I, um, I feel like he's asking the for it. I think
1: is that Sharp wanted fog for his wedding photos, and I thought that was a bold choice on his part. Did he like, get? Did he get? The, what he,
0: did he get what he wanted?
1: He did. It was a little overcast, but I did want to share that at one point where oh, we were driving wait, I'm to sorry, this wedding. I'm sorry
0: to interrupt you again. I thought you meant he wanted a fog machine, like like a no, like a foreigner video from 1986,
1: <laughs> like like the Wind Cry video. No, yeah. uh, it was it was like all natural. He wanted it to just be like like an, a Land's End catalog picture. But when we were on our way to the wedding itself and we were driving, uh, I was with Juliette Littman, and we were all trying to make a left turn onto the Montauk Highway. We were going to this thing. And uh, who who should be making a right turn across us but a golf cart outfitted like a Art Deco Bentley with yeah. Jay-Z in it? No. Yeah.
0: You, you saw Jay-Z this weekend in a golf cart? Yep. That, that's pretty amazing. I thought I had the ultimate New York story when I saw um, Mike D. So me D. and your wife
1: were all moving in with him. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's great. And we're going to record a sequel to the Black Album together. That's great.
0: Lemonade's a popular drink, and it still is. That's I, that's <laughs> almost better than when I saw Mike D. taking his mother to Russ and Daughters. Last question. Yes. You said that you and Juliet, presumably your oh. wife, presumably a couple other, other pals, yep. you were all trying to make a left. So were you driving some sort of duck boat scenario where you are all given a steering wheel and you were trying to coordinate that?
1: No, no, no! I was actually riding in the trunk because we didn't have enough seats of a of a nice kind of like hybrid Subaru Forester type vehicle, and it was, we were being driven by a, a very lovely other guest, other guest from the wedding. So it was all, it was all in in within the bounds of the New York state traffic yeah. laws. Uh, That's it, was, good. it was all safe and sound. I, I yeah. think
0: my final takeaway from this, and I, I think people should check out your Instagram feed uh, crash-activated there because there is, I believe, an image of you in No, the, don't. Because in the you know way- what?
1: I was, getting, I was getting roasted for my tie being too long and people weren't accepting the fact that sometimes I might lean a little forward I, and I people was gonna, were like, damn dog, QQ I was, was going to come to your defense.
0: You are clearly pivoting at the pelvis. Your tie was not that long. I could tell that because I'm your friend. So, first of all, I got you. I'm not going to, like, back you up in a comment section of literally anything, but I got you on our podcast. (laughs) Two, I just wanted to say that there is an image of you on Instagram in the way, way back, which I think it was an indie film at Sundance the other year. But you are in the way, way back of this trunk.
1: And I, I ruined think the trunk once,
0: and I think that you and you seated like an actual grown-up seat to Rember Brown, I believe, who's a decade younger than us, and it makes me feel like our struggle over the power seat in the studio. Like I am very bad at this game. If you can fly across the country and be like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'll go in the trunk with the spare tire," and meanwhile you're running me like some sort of Machiavellian experiment. Who's who's the winner here? Who's the alpha? I,
1: it's, you play the Game of Thrones to win. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> it's fair enough.
1: Uh, Let's talk about Quarry, because that was a show that we kind of mentioned in passing last week, and I don't think I had really been, it hadn't really been on my radar, Uh, but then a couple people were like, oh, you guys, you guys got to talk about Quarry, it seems like it's really up your alley, and uh, lo and behold, it certainly is, it's on Cinemax, uh, based on the novels of Max Allen Collins, who I did a little bit of research on today, and uh, he is... Road to Perdition, right?
0: What Didn't didn't he do Road to Perdition?
1: He did. He did Road to Perdition. He has done the novelization of several screenplays. Did you know that?
0: That is a, I'm sure, a lucrative field. Or at least it was when he did
1: Saving Private Ryan. He did The Mummy. He did Waterworld. He's also done uh, a lot of countless novels. Do
0: you think that's how he introduces himself at parties? Like, my name is Max. I wrote the novelization of Waterworld.
1: It is a conversation starter. Like, (laughs) wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be like, I'm going to put down this this uh, shrimp puff this Moscow Mule, and just. Dial into to the guy and like want to hear about this anyway. Max Allen Collins, uh, Allen Collins wrote uh, the first Quarry novel back in the seventies, uh, and it is a very like hard hitting, two fisted, hard boiled Mickey Spillane, Richard Stark esque novel. It's like very process driven. He walks in the door, he opens the you know, he goes into the room, he shoots a guy. Like it's it's very one two three beats. Very little backstory, very little context given, uh, and then onto this skeleton um i, I want to get their names right but michael d fuller and his mm-hmm. uh writing partner graham gordy have come along and they are veterans from one of your favorite shows rectify yeah and they've come along and done this show and if i had to describe this show for anybody uh who is asking i would probably call it rectify with a hitman
0: i would say it's rectify meets banshee um it, yeah. it, it uh, is basically it's filling a, a very big bloody banshee sized hole in my heart um you know, I miss that show, but I think that Fuller's experience on Rectify is very, very present here, because Rectify is—I I, I think there are people who might check out Rectify, which is this, basically the this, this, this slow food of, of TV dramas. It's sumptuous. It's beautiful. Very, very little of note happens, quote-unquote, but it, you can really lose yourself in it. Um and I think there's a whole group of people who might be interested in Rectify in its sense of place, in its uh, characterization, its, its, its bubbling undercurrent of emotion, its southern setting, and be like, I just wish someone with a handlebar mustache would just start shooting people. Uh, this is your show. And also, if you have at any point gotten hype on the sort of crime fiction that Chris and I love to rave about um, and occasionally pr- promise and fail to deliver on in our uh, Double Down book club... This is what we're talking about in TV form. This is, to my mind, like, there. as soon as the show started, there was almost no way I wasn't going to love it. Um, And that's despite a number of minor flaws that I'm sure we can can get into in the pilot. I've seen two episodes. I've watched this Fridays as well, and I really, really enjoyed it. I loved watching the show because this is the kind of storytelling I really love, and it makes me very excited to see it done so... um, so full-throatedly and respectfully on TV. I mean, these guys know know the world. They know the books. They know what this should feel like. There's a moment in the second episode when the main character, who is nicknamed Quarry, um, is basically he's passed out on a chair next to his pool in 1970. What is it, 1973, 1971?
1: 1972.
0: 1972, yeah. uh, in, in Memphis in his backyard. His hand is bloody and bandaged. He has an empty bottle of Four Roses bourbon next to him and a John D. McDonald paperback on a table unopened. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, they, they definitely know how to, to to thread the needle with this. I think um, most of these shows, it's it's interesting how these shows tend to be as, you know, I think a great, great crime show has a great, great protagonist. Uh, I get, you know, even Night of would be a good example who had two really great protagonists. One was the cat. Yes, uh, Riz Ahmed. <laughs> the cat and Riz Ahmed, no, and Taturo this show i think has some room to grow in terms of its protagonist logan marshall green plays quarry his actual name is like matt conway or something like that and Mac is actually a a tip of the cap to max allen collins it's a it's an yeah. acronym of his name but um it really comes alive, not only you know a lot of these crime shows this happens. It really comes alive when some of the supporting characters get a t- chance to shine and the two that I know that we wanted to point out were Peter Mullen, who plays somebody named the broker yeah uh it might be c i a might be the Mafia. We may find out more about him as the show goes on, who is the guy who basically hooks Mac this Vietnam veteran up he hooks him up with uh, uh hitman jobs. Yeah, I'll do life.
0: I'll do the full plot download in a second. Shout out shout out the others, other other not so secret star of the show.
1: Yeah, and uh the other the other sh- secret star of the show, Damon Harriman, who you may remember from Justified who played Dewey Crow on Justified and is just like in full um I'm out here in a 70s Altman movie dancing in my underoos in a hotel room with beers on ice in the hotel sink.
0: That dude <laughs> that dude makes an appearance in the first thirty seconds of the show a brief one and I'm like yep that's this is the show I want to watch the one with this guy in it I mean yeah. so, okay so big picture it
1: gets really good when those when he and Mac actually meet yeah. and you're like oh like there's a there's a whole there are levels to this shit
0: um the, I I think, I mean, Logan Marshall Green uh, is a very sturdy protagonist to hang the show on. And I mean, I think that could sound a little um, subtweety. I don't mean it to be that way. Um, It's a very tough part because the character basically just gets shit thrown at him or shot at him. And he sort of has to take it and sort of be vulnerable and wounded while he does it. He certainly inhabits the part in the era well physically. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't know I was ready for a show about... Um, Brian Fantana hitman, but here I am. (laughs) And although it is worth noting, like the best, the scenes where he looks the the best, like the most ready to go, um, you know, when he's like fully 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 like his shirt he has maybe one or two buttons and his hair is just like he hasn't been washed in forever and he basically ma- makes memphis look like a place that where air conditioning hasn't even been invented yet and then there are a couple shots clearly when either they were pickups reshoots or they did it early in the day when he had just showered <laughs> and he and he, and he kind of looks like wooderson which is not what he's yeah, supposed to he look like. like
1: tom brady post hair transplant <laughs> alleged hair transplant whoops yeah. so careful
0: remember whose podcast <laughs> network we're on um <laughs> Uh, so, the, the the story is basically Mac, Logan Marshall Green, in the very beginning, returns from a year away in Vietnam, a second tour. Two and, years. Well, I think he's been away for a year. This is his second tour, right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing yeah, he, up the numbers. he
1: did a tour, came back, and went away again.
0: And he and his buddy, who's played by um, uh, uh, Jamie Hector from The Wire, are just back in Memphis. And one of the things that's noteworthy about it is that they are... This is the 70s. So, this is... Basically, they were there when the country had absolutely, you know, unequivocally moved on um, and are greeted with violence and heckles and cheers at the airport. uh, Jeers, I should be clear. And they may or may not have been involved in some sort of my like massacre when they were away. And the world they step into is not exactly the world they left. Um, There are McGovern stick posters everywhere. The the level of detail is really, really amazing. They both have wives that they're returning to. uh, Max's wife is played by. Do you have her name in front of you? It's uh, J- uh, Jody Balfour. Jodie Balfour, South African actress. She's terrific. Um, yeah. The and uh, it, and by the way, shouts to the casting on these Cinemax shows because Banshee did it too. Like y- you have to imagine they did not have the highest budget. But they found these great, great actors. Peter Mullen, you mentioned before. You know, he's the one who just literally feasts on the scenery in Top of the Lake. He's just incredible in that show, um, and he's a little more restrained here. Hopefully, he'll get to uncork it a little bit. But just knowing that he's that's got, the he's dude.
1: He's got that southern accent to deal with.
0: Yeah, that's a little that's a little chewy in the old uh, the old mouth throat area for him. But he's doing okay. He's doing his best. Uh, but as you say, they come back to a different world. They can't they can't quite get work. Um, and uh, a hitman. Opportunity arises and and things start to go a little bit sideways. We're not going to spoil too much about it because I want people to watch it, but they're just these details that I that I that you really want to sink into. Um, Mac is a yeah. Is that's a,
1: the thing that was really striking to me is just that you start to see the differences between, um, especially this particular kind of crime fiction, which hardboiled crime fiction. Whether you're talking about like Dashiell Hammett's continental op stuff mm-hmm. or Mickey Splain, Max Allen Collins actually wound up finishing a few Mickey Splane few of his unfinished works after he died in, in 06. O um, six these are like so spare and the scarcity of detail within these piece these these works are actually an element of the style like it's intentional style I mean, it, it, a style it of, of prose Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But with television shows, we don't do that. We do not do minimalism or scarcity of detail in television shows. Everything about television is asking questions. What is this person doing? Why are they here? Is this realistic? Does this make sense? And so you have, when you have a show like this, it's interesting that like the first scene of Quarry is this guy, you know, you don't know who he is, but he's like lying face down in a riverbed and he gets up, he picks up a gun and he shoots someone else. And the in a, in a crime novel in a, especially in a Collins crime novel or a Collins style crime novel that would be it that would be literally what I just said would probably be the first three paragraphs mm-hmm. but instead in a television show what you have is a I voted pin embedded in the gravel of the river so mm-hmm. that you can tell well it's an election year and this is looking it looks like a vintage pin so I think it's in the past and then he gets up and he looks like he's like a roadie for the eagles so you're like ah okay so this is the past and like you know his gun is, is rather vintage so it you start to just put together these little signifiers of bigger, bigger, bigger world. He listens to Otis Blue by Otis Redding and Tupelo Honey by Van Morrison. So, like, you're starting to get like a picture of like mm-hmm. the musical, social, economic, cultural uh, context around this guy's life in 1972 Memphis. So it's very, uh, it, it's telling to see what details they choose to put forward because that's not something that comes from the source material necessarily.
0: But there's also an enormous amount of detail to what they do day-to-day day. i mean there, there's great great little 70s things the production design on the show is is really terrific um you mentioned the the cold beers in the sink um these characters you know i haven't seen on-screen smoking with such gusto since one Owner rider and stranger things and all the characters do it basically um you know there's they're they're pouring back bourbons it they, there's there's a um a v- most visceral tactile nature to the to the sin, so to speak the the guns, the cars that really really sucks you in and, and I think it's really well observed here because the reason i mean we love crime fiction for its transporting element for the storytelling for the sheer fun of it, for the escapism, but there is of course an element of fetishism to it you know the the quarry novels were recently republished by by um what's that the vintagey black lizard thing I think it, it's not black lizard yeah, yeah. it's um it's that. It's I think that, it was Black it's Blizzard, that, right? Well, though that was the vintage line of, of of paperbacks, but there's that pulpy line that publishes like old pulp novels by like Ed McBain and Lawrence Block and Stephen King. Uh, I'll
1: look it up while you wrap.
0: Um, there's a shot in the second episode at a strip club that literally looks like the cover of one of these, like a bombshell image from a from a from a dime store or um, you know spinner rack in a drugstore from some time long ago. There is something the, the show understands that it's you can fetishize something, you can fetishize sin, you can fetishize an era. Um, and that's not necessarily shorthand or that's not necessarily bad. You know, it's never apologizing for itself. It is straight up and down what it wants to be. Now, the flip side of saying that is that this show is absolutely not for everyone because there are definitely some people who don't like crime fiction as much as we do. Um, and there are a couple things just from a, like a narrative perspective or a type of TV show that I otherwise would like to watch. There's a character who appears to be a major character early on who is you will find out if you watch the first episode is not a major character going forward. And I found that to be a bummer, not because it didn't inspire. It doesn't, you know, it, le- it clearly leads to things plot wise, but I kind of liked that dynamic. I thought that was an interesting thing to explore, but because this is the type of story it is, that type of relationship wasn't one that could move forward on this show. So it's just what I, I think what I appreciate most is just how completely all in it is on what it is. And it's 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 such a pleasure like i just i loved watching it i was completely riveted even despite the occasional hair faux pas you know um just like one last detail for you there there are some homicide detectives that show up i believe they may show up at the end of the first episode but they become more prominent in the second episode and one of them is played by this actor who i had to look up his name is happy anderson which is a great name for an actor and you if you, when you see him, you will be like, oh, I've seen that guy before. And maybe it was at Hogwarts. I'm not sure. Because he is this mm-hmm. enormous bear of a guy with a big red beard. And he was an enforcer on the Nick. Um, oh, yeah. He's on a couple other shows. And as soon as you see him, you'll be like, I've seen that guy in something. But it's a sign of he's a in show. Cold
1: in July. He's in Cold in July, too. That's right.
0: And is the sign of a show made with real care. That they were like, that's a face of a homicide detective in this world, and we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Greg yutanis because he's the—I don't know if he's the—he's an executive producer, and uh, I
1: think he directed all of them, though, right? right?
0: I don't know if he directed all of them, but if he did, I'm even more in on the show because he was—he uh, was key to the visual style of Banshee, which really mattered a lot on that show, and he—he he nails it on this. It's just—it's briefly,
1: it's, can we just talk a little bit about? I you know I know that. Um, you were obviously a really big fan of Banshee but I wanted to ask what you think and how wh- whether or not you think that the way that Cinemax is sort of like finding these j- traditionally genre stories mm-hmm. whether it's like a- action with Strike Back or sort of small town crime thriller with Banshee or this which is sort of like a retro period piece crime story with, with a quarry and then they're doing horror so- somewhat uh, with Out- Outcast mm-hmm. which is based on a Robert Kirkman work what do you think of their plan here to kind of uh, be the home of, uh, I don't know, genre storytelling I, on prestige television pr- premium networks?
0: I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think it's brilliant. Honestly, I do, and and I think there's a real. I, I, I think it was very. First of all, I think it was very very smart to look at. So if you look at the lay of the land, um, Cinemax was sort of the you know, Cinemax was basically what teenagers watched at you know, at midnights on Fridays growing up before the internet was invented. That was what Cinemax was. And then sometimes they had other movies. Um, HBO uh, owned Cinemax and decided to start developing original content for it. Like every network was getting into the original content game. At the time that they did that, which is really only, you know, four or five years ago now, the, I think they looked at what HBO was mostly doing. and HBO is the prestige. It is the highest of high, right? So they were like, well, what is, what's the, what's the paperback version of that? I think that was a very smart divide because, look, you know, you and I, Chris, we love literary fiction. We love it. But we also really, really like genre fiction, and I don't think we're alone in that. And so I think the key connective tissue would be respecting both for what they are, not trying to elevate one or denigrate the other. So I think it's a very smart fit for the certain type of almost celebratory genre storytelling. What's interesting is that since then, you know, HBO, like all networks, have gotten more genre-y. Like Game of Thrones came to define uh, HBO much more than Boardwalk Empire did, for example. And so now we see these other networks that I think are being smart on the margins. I I often lump Cinemax and Sundance together, because I think they're both sort of the sister brands to bigger channels. Sundance is connected to AMC. And I think that for both, there is an opening to tell the kind of stories that are much more niche, much more um, idiosyncratic, and much more like micro-targeted to a passionate audience than what their their big their big brothers have um, going forward. So I I mean, and so Sundance, for example, has happened Leonard, which is a, a, it's not s- too similar, but it certainly comes from the same um, comes from the same uh, fetid pool.
1: Yeah, and also just it is it is another going back and mining some of the greatest hits of the last 30, 40 years of crime fiction. That's Joe Lansdale. Yep. It's happened, Leonard, right? So, I mean, just the, the people, like, in the same way that you're seeing Hollywood and these major studios go back and just rediscover all this IP that they have in their vaults. You know, I know that we say IP a lot as if it it just rolls off the tongue, but whenever you can do something that has even, uh, like, a, a just a solid base of um, – of 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 a of a of fans already in place, you're you're kind of working working ahead I, ahead.
0: I agree. I just I just love that there are channels that can do this because you take a show like this or a world like this, and obviously you would never do it. But if you did develop it for a network, then you know there have to be good guys, and you have to be working with the cops. If you, but the flip side of that is if you develop it for an HBO. Um, there is almost a need for it to mean something more because hbo real estate is so valuable and i would say the same thing for amc you know like what what is the bigger picture what of what this show is about quote unquote and not every show needs to carry that weight you know nor nor should it and similarly you know so so there are a lot of people who and we're going to pivot in a minute we're going to talk about some of the new network shows there are people who love network procedurals, many millions of people, yeah because, yeah, yeah, because that's something that they like to have at a TV. It is a certain kind of pacing and rhythm and entertainment that they enjoy. And similarly, and, and it's great that there are still channels. I, mean, I can't I'm talking about CBS like it's about to go extinct, but like, there are still channels that gladly uh, service that. Similarly, I'm glad that for what we like to unwind with, there are channels for that too.
1: Yeah. Well, why don't we get into that—the uh, the, the fall TV preview.
0: Before we take do our fall TV preview, should we take a moment for a word from our sponsors?
1: I think we should.
0: We know we know it's a little rude to interrupt, but while we have your ear, let's have a brief conversation about manners. As the British like to say, manners maketh man. I I really don't... I've never met a British person who said that. But anyway, it's no wonder the Jaguar's first ever compact sports sedan, the Jaguar XE, and their first ever performance SUV, the Jaguar F-Pace, are well-mannered. They both put you at ease the moment you enter, remain composed in almost any situation, and know when to make themselves heard. For the full Jaguar Guide to Manners, please visit JaguarUSA.com. Thank you, Jaguar. The art of performance. The watch is also brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and it's delivered in a small, how'd they do that size box. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. It's Quality Man. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Love things with the right sink and bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help regulate your temperature through the night. It's also not bad by the cost. Mattresses can often charge you well over 1500 bucks, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin-size mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. That's a price fit for a king! I guess a king could afford more, but you get my point. Convenience. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery, free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up, refund you everything. But Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. So the casper remember this it's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price there's springy latex there's bounce there's memory fo- foam it's award-winning sleep surface there's sink time magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015 there's free shipping and returns to us and canada try casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home if you don't love it they'll pick it up refund you everything casper by the way like this podcast is made in america so, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com BSPN and using the offer code BSPN. That's $50 towards any, any, any mattress purchase. Terms and conditions do apply.
1: Okay, Andy, we wanted to do uh, something of a fall TV preview. Now, we obviously are talking about shows every week here, twice a week. Uh, on this show in the re-up. So you know, there's a bunch of stuff like Atlanta that we don't need, need to go back over again, but there's a lot of shows on a lot of networks that we may not ever get to talk about. So as a way of almost either like at least addressing them or possibly putting a bookmark in them to like come back to them later... Thought we'd kind of go through TVGuide.com's fall preview and just choose one at random so that we could have the same list, and we'll just go through these alphabetically, and we'll just we'll just do in or out here, right?
0: Yeah, because one one difference between past years is that every other year we've done this, I was fully gainfully employed as a TV critic and had to suffer through all of these uh, pilots. Right. This year, now
1: you have no wife, no best friend, living yeah. alone in, in L.A.
0: No cash, no jobs. Uh, what's the other one? Um, yeah, so I'm basically I'm basically Quarry right now, but uh, right. but we'll we'll go through it and and maybe as we go through this list, we'll pick a couple that we will actually check in on um, just for podcasting sake. But but right, this is lay of the land so The stuff. first
1: one we'll we'll go alphabetical. The first one I want to talk about. I'll just read. I'm just gonna read the blurb, man. I love it. Cold, cold reading. When Katie Otto, Mike and Molly's Katie Mixon, oh, who I love, said. she was also on He's beyond done. Yeah. When Katie Otto's neighbor moves, she finds herself holding the dubious title of the second fattest housewife in Westport, an uppity Connecticut suburb full of skinny women. What the fuck? That was the original title for this. Who chug green drinks for brunch. But Katie's got attitude and enough confidence to at least make it seem like she doesn't care. But can't she put the other housewives in their places while still being a mom to her popular teenage daughter, right-wing son, and awkward preteen daughter? I want to to take
0: a step back for a second. Um,
1: Okay, don't blow blow all your takes on on the first show, though. Have you
0: ever used the construction finds herself or finds himself in anything other than a log line for a bad TV show? Like, does that come (laughs) up in conversation? Like, were you like, and then the other, and then I found myself at the Highline Ballroom eating Joe's pizza while Tiger wrapped. Nick
1: McNulty is a Baltimore police officer who finds himself in the middle of the drug war. Exactly.
0: Exactly, but yeah. never, never, never blame the poor marketers whose job it is to write this copy because it is a thankless job. Um, what's the name of the show now?
1: American Housewife.
0: Because it was called the second fattest whatever. What is second in Westport? Like that no, was. It wasn't. Yeah, it that was that was what it was sold as. Yeah, that was how it was filmed.
1: Ooh. But my that's actually Damn. my
0: favorite thing when it's just like, well, we have an interesting title. Let's <laughs> change it.
1: <laughs> um...
0: So this is a this is a, this is a situational comedy or an hour long? Yeah, we
1: could both say we're out. It's fine. The the younger, I think the I saw the trailer. The youngest daughter has OCD. That that seems to be like where they draw a lot of comedy I, I, from. I heard
0: there's a right wing son. That's kind of fresh. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's saving up for his Roth IRA and but this piggy bank. It's cool. Uh, okay, so out on American Housewife. He, you didn't tell Let's me. He, what, he what you, you didn't tell what me. What, just didn't tell me what network it was. The American Broadcasting Corporation.
0: Oh, hence the American American. I mean. Yeah. Now I know why they changed the title because they got so much grief for all their years of terrible titles like Trophy Wife and Selfie and Suburgatory. Um, here's the thing: it could be fine, but do you think any? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I'm out. I'm out. Okay, I, I was, gonna, out
1: I was gonna. I was gonna.
0: I was gonna wind up, and then I realized you have like 40 more of these. So let's go.
1: The next one is uh, Bull from CBS. NCIS alum Michael yeah, Weatherly yeah. stars as the title character, yes. a psychologist who doubles as a jury selection consultant. The procedural is based on the early career yeah. of Dr. Phil McGraw. First of all, but just— Bull's character is merely inspired by— Ball- McGraw. Hit. Merely inspired, dog. Hit
0: after hit after hit. Here's the thing that's crazy to me. You know we joked about the upside down, which is the shadow dimension of evil demons that exists just below ours in the show Stranger Things? Yeah. I believe that there is an upside-down type thing in our universe in which people know who Michael Weatherly is. Because I've been, you know, I can say this now. I've been, I've been driving around the City of Angels and their billboards up, and there are, like, one pages of my man's face, and it's like, Michael fucking Weatherly is ready to be the bull. And I've never... I was a TV critic for five years. I've never seen... CSI, really? And so he's probably one of the most famous people in the world, and certainly one of the richest people in the world. And when he shook loose, I
1: he's one of the I'm most saying, famous when, people in America the world.
0: for people who watch TV. When he shook loose from the CSI money tree, I bet every network was like, "Yes,
1: give Yo, me that Weatherly." He is on the market, get yeah.
0: me that Weatherly. And so, and then his agents were like, you know, just basically just like bring us your finest projects but only the ones endorsed by Dr. Phil. Like, this is the upside-down world, and this will probably minute, run... endorsed
1: based upon his early life. This we're, gonna, we're This is going to be a thing where we get too com- We overcommit to the early ones, and then when we get to tea, you're going to be like, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> I'm drinking a Coke Zero, so I'm feeling pretty jazzed. Let's keep going.
1: <laughs> okay, well, we're both, we're both out... Weatherly aside, we're both out on bull. But that's only Andy. This is only because I'm saving all <laughs> my primetime jury selection mm. stuff. Yeah. All my laws... Yeah for conviction on Ooh. ABC, Haley Atwell stars as Hayes Morrison, a brilliant but reckless <laughs> lawyer and former first daughter who gets blackmailed into heading up the Conviction Integrity Unit by Connor Wallace. Together with her team of experts, Hayes reexamines cases where there's suspicion of, wrongful, suspicion of wrongful conviction in hopes of settling, setting things right. I'm all in on Haley Atwell. She's in my favorite black mirror. I love Conviction Integrity Units. I think it's an important thing in our country and our legal system. I'm a legal expert uh i love sean ashmore who's on the the ciu whoa. with her whoa ice man is in this shit <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's just the fact that they're like yo first daughter what do first daughters do do like let's get them in here
0: <laughs> i love i i just love the escalating word salad that is network the network procedurals where they're like i want to do a legal show Fine and it's basically like a bad night at the UCB, you know. It's like fine and well, it's uh, she's not really doing new cases, she's doing old cases. Okay, cold case for a log, and she's the first fucking daughter, soul, you know what I mean. Also, Hayes Morrison, you only get me to watch the show if her name is spelled H. H Is her name spelled H A Z E?
1: No, it's H A Y E S. She's the first daughter, man. Come on. Uh, here's another one I'm in on, and I am I'm just I'm, I don't even need to read this because you, you've already seen the commercials during football. Wednesday, September 21st, 10 p.m., it, it premieres Designated Survivor on ABC. Terrorists, you cannot escape Kiki for Sutherland, even when he's wearing a hoodie and glasses. Yeah. The man who made 24's Jack Bauer, a household name, is back on TV as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, <laughs> Tom Kirkman, yeah. who was vaulted into the presidency after everyone above him is vaulted. blown up in a con- an attack on Congress during the President's State of the Union address. Kirkman will have to contend with hostile advisors Mysterious attackers Yo. and his own Troublesome teens Yo. Maggie Q and Cal Pen co-star Here's the thing, when they pitched this show They were like, Kiefer, what if Jack Bauer Was a fucking dork That's And he was I'm like saying. in And he just did it And then they blew up Congress And then they were like, get me Doris Kearns Goodwin in here And have some team arrivals I'm so in on this show Can
0: I just say though like, Just think about the thought process where they're like Let's get the guy best known for shooting innocent men in the kneecaps and set him up for real this time. Oh, word, who's he facing up against? Troublesome Beltway Advisors. It's like bank it. <laughs> Fucking bank it. This is this is a great premise. But this is what we get every fall, right? Like this was the big one this year. This was the this was the hottest pilot. Um, in development season um, if they landed Kiefer which is a big land like the, you can tell if, if a star is returning to TV then you know that it was a tasty package you know like it had all the all the pieces to definitely cruise its way being on the air get all the promotion that the show is getting and this is a great idea this is a great idea like I am definitely someone who every time I settle in to watch the uh, uh, State of the Union every time I get my popcorn popped
1: I listen that's what you're thinking I listen for when survivor? Lester
0: Holt is just like By the by, guess who's sitting this one out? And I'm like, okay, I can imagine President Tom Vilsack if, you know, a catastrophe happens. (laughs) I can roll with that. So can Tom Vilsack. No shit. So can the whole Vilsack family. Iowa, stand up. Um, It's a great idea. But I have no faith that this could be a sustaining premise for more than one year. Like I, I, it's just, not, or at least to the type of TV that I like to watch. Like the first episode. Kiefer
1: Sutherland disagrees with you because he definitely has been quoted saying, "When I got the script for the show, I said this could be the next ten years of my life."
0: <laughs> was that Kiefer Sutherland, or did you misread the quote? It was Kiefer Sutherland's financial planner. Who was like, <laughs> "This is definitely."
1: Uh, let's keep it going. I'm going to skip a few of uh, skip a few in there and. When, hit, when, when's the, the last on
0: when, f- When's the last time you found yourself? Saying, "This could be the next ten years of my life." Was it when you left me in Los Angeles
1: <laughs> to go back right, to New York? I saw Jay Z go by in a golf cart. Uh, <laughs> Lethal Weapon on Fox premieres Wednesday, September twenty-first. Rectifies Clayne Crawford. That's and my man. Damon Wayans Senior. When did Damon Wayans need to add a Senior? You're the Damon Wayans. Your son is Damon Wayans Jr. You don't have to. It, we know you're, you who you are, man. You were in Living Color. You don't have to. You don't it, have to denigrate yourself. That like a is senior. such
0: such a good call. You are major pain. Act like it.
1: Yeah, uh, whatever. It's lethal weapon. Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh first made famous by Mel Gibson and Danny Glover and the beloved film franchise of the same name. It's pretty much all you need to know. I agree with you, TVGuide.com. Uh, this dude is wearing a chambray shirt, a work shirt in the the picture. He I, looks good.
0: I'm thrilled. First of all, Clint Crawford is a terrific actor. He is so good on Rectify and a part that is, in other hands, would be so thankless. He's basically like a like a, a fundamentalist good old boy who is the immediately a rival, suspicious and a rival to the main character of rectify who has been recently been freed from almost two decades on death row he is immediately like you know he, he in any other show you'd be keyed up to be the heel and clane Crawford's performance is really really subtle and really really good I think he looks terrific, smiling at me on every bus that I pass. I think I like the way his hair's flipping up a little bit, a little cowlick action on the side. He looks like he's yeah. ready. You know, he looks like he's he's ready to 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 help a suicidal guy off a building by jumping off the building with him. I'm all in on that. But you know, it, go go rent the movie. You know, or or it could be a perfectly fine TV show. I just I I, I gotta be real. Like this is the, I, this is the way I felt doing the the network previews for the last four years or whatever it was at Granland, But it's just like okay, this exists. But what is the ceiling here? Like, what is the best case scenario? Best case scenario, it is mildly entertaining, and you watch it sometimes. That's that's the best case scenario. And for many people and for many networks, that's okay. But I, This I don't, is also going to be I'm one in. of
1: those shows where I bet the ep, like episode six could be good. It's just that people are going to have to watch the pilot, which is probably such a rehash of lethal that's weapons. That's a great point. To, you know, it's, uh, hopefully, people, hopefully it'll be good. I've seen some people say that it's not bad. Wait, uh, can, I, can, wait, can,
0: can I ask you two things? Just two, two more things Yeah. about Lethal Weapon. Because I think people are paying attention to that one. Um, I, can I, I got the promotional material for that because Fox still thinks I'm a TV critic. And they sent a seatbelt. Like like a, a, a removed from a car seat belt that Strive says in. To, really? to Tate in. Tate knows this is working for Tate so th- this is clearly millennially targeted advertising a seat belt that said lethal weapon it was wrapped around a like a like a like a piece of cardboard that uses the gap to fold shirts where they sent a long sleeve tee that said lethal weapon down the side and they sent it in size XXXL maybe they heard me talking about how I don't walk anymore so I appreciate that but I, I, that did not make me want to watch the show more but two. <laughs> Would, Why how, did
1: they send a toilet seat? That's the big lethal weapon thing. Anyway, I, I, go
0: ahead. You know someone tried. You know someone tried, and respect to you, Fox marketing intern. Um, Chris, like how quickly would you reverse course and be in on the show if they announced for Sweeps sweeps Month? It's the South African arc. And, <laughs>
1: Diplomatic and, community. But, 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 but your blick. But your blick. I don't know if South Africa still has that vibe, though, man. That's the thing.
0: Oh. oh, so what if there was a crossover with NBC's Timeless, and they went back <laughs> to it, did an apartheid arc of Lethal Weapon?
1: It's lethal. This, yeah. You just
0: answered our question. This show can't be good thanks to the long-overdue collapse of the apartheid state.
1: You're right. That's up. That's um, what's up. I'm trying to find another, another couple to wrap up on here. Uh, we talked about Quarry. You just mentioned uh, Timeless.
0: Is Timeless going to be good? Like, Timeless has another, the the other great actor on Rectify, uh, Abigail Spencer is the lead in it, Uh, Sean Ryan, who made The Shield, and Terriers is working on it, and listen, if there's one thing you know about me, well, one thing you guys know about me now is don't send me promotional seatbelts, but one thing you guys know about me, I love a romp. I love Um, a romp, and if it's a time travel romp, I'm interested.
1: What about, you You love a romp, do you love to cry?
0: I mean, every day since you've been gone.
1: If you're looking to fill the parenthood void in your heart, <laughs> This Is Us is for you. The tearjerker follows a handful of people born on the same day, showing that no matter what, how different oh. we seem, our struggles are more connected than we could imagine. Mandy Moore and Milo Ventimiglia, I don't know if I've ever known how to pronounce that name, lead the way he's, he's, as new parents he's, he's, he's who try their best don't. to teach their children how to make lemonade out of life's sour lemons. Sterling K. Brown from OJ is up in this
0: oh you just you just like the letters gtfo just died in my throat when you told me the the you were about to say that the young god sterling brown is in it i mean (laughs) i want the show to run at least two seasons so he can he can get those checks that's how i feel about that show
1: i think that's a pretty good uh fall tv preview now we'll maybe we'll do another version of this uh next Get, week well, but the, i wanted to make sure that we hit a hit a bunch of these well, shows well, the, the
0: other thing to think about and let me just if i can i can i dust off a take that i had uh, that i had in my back pocket it's sure. worth noting that we still we're doing it on this podcast but in general media you know the september issue is the big issue fall previews everyone's coming back from the hamptons like you literally were in a trunk yesterday um but but the coverage of the quote-unquote fall TV season is very much out of whack with reality now, I think. Like, obviously, there are a bunch of new network shows, but this is basically like the killing floor of a slaughterhouse. Almost yeah. none of these shows are going to survive, and the networks certainly know that. And what's changed dramatically in the last two or three years is that many, many, many of them are saving their biggest guns for January, February now. Which used to be that used to be midseason when you know when you would dump the stuff that wasn't working, but now it's a chance you know all the the, the chaff has been cleared away. Um, you can promote things off the Super Bowl. People are ready to to try something new, and that's when bigger shows are premiering. Now it's worth noting that the Fox show Pitch, which is sort of interesting about a woman pitching in the major leagues, was yep. supposed to premiere uh, in the spring. And then, what, January, and then what was it? There was one show that got very good ratings. There's some hit show. The reason it was going in the spring is because of some hit show, and then they announced that hit show wasn't returning until the spring. They were like, Fox is like, okay, you blinked. We'll put it on in the fall. Um,
1: Oh, yeah, I don't even know what that was.
0: if If I had prepared a little bit more slash prepared for this i could have told you but but well, it's the interesting whole
1: point was that we were going to do this cold so you know it's I'm, like your your, your mystification is, is sort of part of the charm. I'm,
0: I'm i'm freezing freezing on this but but anyway that that's the <laughs> point like so everyone's like oh what should i watch this fall it's like look you already know what to watch this fall watch atlanta watch quarry um a bunch of other stuff that we'll start we'll start talking about um you know once mr robot ends in a week but it falls ain't what they used to be man they ain't what they used to be
1: um, Andy, we'll be back on Thursday because we're going to be doing an Emmys pre-show, right, where we're going to be going through the major categories, talking about our predictions, talking about people we think we should win, people we wish to have been nominated, people who will probably win. That will be probably up in podcast form in the usual re-up time on Thursday. Then there might be some video components of that going up on Friday. Uh, we will also yeah, be big news. doing a— emmys post show on facebook live live so right after the emmys you can go to facebook.com slash ringer and see me and andy will be answering some of your questions giving some of our thoughts on the uh show are you gonna, I, I love the emmys i love a i love an award show are you gonna, i change my tune on those
0: are you gonna dress up
1: no i'm gonna <laughs> wear my simmons and bead t-shirt
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty solid okay i like yeah. that yeah but i'm excited this is one of the things that I thought we could do when I moved out here before you moved back, you know. <laughs> like I really, it's going to be weird to do this live show with you remote, but I, I hope that you'll reconsider and 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 come back. All right, is this a contract okay. out? Is that what's going on?
1: This. Yeah. You guys, you got to talk to my people about that. You'll, you got to talk to my team.
0: Well, I, listen, it's I've not turned. To say. I've turned everyone here against you. Tate is no longer your people, so you better be careful.
1: <laughs> so easily, easily persuaded. All right, man. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Great job, Redsky.